Thank you, Jesus. Stand. This fan's going to bother me. <laughs> it's already here. This is more in the Bible. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are a person. And we thank you even now for tonight, for the Word of God. Animate me. Influence me to share your word, what you breathe into me, God, for your people. I thank you so much for every soul in this room, God. Breathe into them the vision that you have for their lives. I thank you, Father. Have your way with us, Lord. We thank you for this new season. We thank you for just directing us and even carrying us to this point. And that you're going to continue to carry us as we depend and rely on your spirit. We thank you so much, Father. I thank you for the next, this, this few moments ahead of us, God. Just open hearts, open eyes to see the realities of your word, God. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So it is, again, a privilege to be able to share the word of God with you guys today. Um, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read from verse 25 down to verse 33. The Bible says, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, And does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he will send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. So then, none of you, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. We'll stop right there. It's interesting that in verse 25, we see that there's a large crowd going after, along with him. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the latest statistics, but um, there are basically about a billion people on this planet who confess that Jesus is Lord. They claim that they are Christians in this life. But it's interesting that in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, Jesus is not saying, go and make believers. He doesn't say make believers, he says, go and make disciples. So one of the things the Holy Spirit was stirring in my heart was, man, out of these, this multitude of people that's following Jesus, even back then, how many were really wanting to be a disciple? In this life, we have a billion people. However, they say that Jesus is Lord. But how many of those people really are disciples? Because that's what he's looking for. 
And it's interesting, they're all following him, and Jesus has done several miracles already, and many times he's even calling them out, because you're only following me because I fed you. He's checking their motives, like, you're really only following me because I just gave you bread. I fed you with fish. But they're following him along. I'm sure even in this life, in this time, we have multitudes of people who say, man, I want to follow Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But the reality is that God is looking for something else. Jesus, before he steps off the planet, says, go and make disciples. This is the commission, the great commission. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe what I've shown you. It's an amazing thing that when it comes down to discipleship, so many people just step off. And they just are content with believing. But it's not enough. So we look here in verse 25. He says, the first thing he says is, he turns around to the crowd. Everyone's following him, probably having a good time. And man, Jesus, man. And then all of a sudden he just turns around and says, hey, let me, let me check you guys real quick. Let me, let me break it down for you really quick. Because if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So one of the things that we're going to be challenged with in this life is the relationships that we have. Because the enemy is going to, do, is going to work so hard to get us to value relationships either our mothers, our fathers, even our children, above Christ. And it happens many times in this life, really subtly, man. We, we notice it sometimes even in Christmas time, how all of a sudden the parents go nuts and they just reveal their hearts like, man, they're showing their true colors, what they really are, are serving are their children more than anything else. I, I, one of my sister, I love her, and it's amazing how she'll just go all out crazy, just bags and bags of just Christmas gifts. And you're like, oh, my God, this is, like, perverted. How many gifts? This, I mean, these kids are, like, five years old, and they have 40 gifts in a bag. Now, she's tipping her hands. She's showing us what she's really devoted to. So in this life, we have to be very careful. We've got to examine the relationships that we have. Like some of you are getting married soon. Some of you have been married. Some of you may have boyfriends. Some of you may have a real interest to be with someone. Man, guard your heart. Because if you're not careful, these desires and even relationships are going to be exalted above Christ. And you'll say you're a believer. And you'll be content. Like, I believe in Jesus. Why can't I have this relationship? But you know why he's saying no many times? Because he knows that those relationships will trump him. He knows that these very relationships that we covet and that we value are going to overtake us. And he says, no, you can't be with that person. You have to wait. Because the goal is discipleship. The goal is to be like Christ. That's the goal. Man, the Bible says that even the devils believe and tremble. They believe that Jesus is Lord. They, they come, he's Lord, but they don't submit to him, though. So here, the first thing he addresses is the relationships that we have in this life. Our, our wives, our mothers, our fathers. I mean, he said, you cannot be my disciple if you love them more than you love me. If you prefer them more than you love me, you prefer them over me, you cannot be my disciple. The door is closed. There's no shortcuts around that. We can't sidestep and pretend like, oh, you know, maybe there's another way. Maybe I can, you know, just love this person and spend so much time with this person and, and still love Jesus the same way. No, there is an order, a divine order in this life. 
And as you love him first, it's, it's funny. In my own life, I remember I had a group of friends when I first got born again. And the Lord was just telling me to just pull away from them. And I didn't want to. I was like, man, I just got born again. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm preaching the gospel to him. I'm popping him. Come on. You know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on it. He says, step away. And I said, why? Why do you want me to step away? And then I refused to do it. And next thing you know, I started compromising and just kind of just doing what they do. And, I, and, I, and, I, and the Lord told me, because if you really want to be a friend to them, you need to step away. And I didn't understand. So I, I finally trusted him. And I remember he was radically changing my heart. And one day my, my, brother, uh, my friend's father passed away. And I went to the wake. And I really hadn't been connected with none of my friends. And I'm sitting at this wake. And everyone's, you know, it's a Spanish wake. It's, it's bad. <laughs> People are wailing. Everything's going on. And I'm sitting there. And my friend comes up to me and says, Jose, the Catholic priest just bailed on us. Because can you come and share with the family? And I was just like, man, I got 20 minutes? <laughs> Are you serious? So I was like, okay, I will. But I shared, and the Lord touched people's lives. And I remember after, the Holy Spirit told me, listen, if you would not have stepped away, he would have never asked you. If you weren't different because you obeyed and stepped away, because you preferred me above them, I was able to turn a situation that was bad for my glory, and I used you. So preference, we have to be very careful to guard our hearts. We are after, the goal in this life is to be like Christ, to be a disciple. It's not just a belief. This is one of the reasons why we're stepping into the house churches. One of the greatest strategies in the American church is that people are not being discipled. It's an epidemic. People come to church, do the high buy, put the money in the basket, and all of a sudden they feel some sort of weird feeling that they're okay. But then when something happens in their lives, they got nobody to turn to. There's no relationship with anyone. And they are isolated, and the devil is right there at the door. Tempting them to step into the world or do some mess. So discipleship is critical. And right here in the scripture says, listen, you need to prefer me above everything else. Above your career. Above your dreams. You need to check your dreams. Some of these dreams may not be from the Lord. These grandiose ideas. You need to check your dreams. Now, then he goes on to say in verse 27. See, Jesus isn't missing words. I love Jesus. He goes right for the jugular. He's going right for the jugular. He says, whoever does not carry his own cross... And come after me cannot be my disciple. So there's a cross for you to carry in this life. There's a cross for you to carry. Every person in this room, there's a cross for you to carry. And the more you deny the reality of this cross, the more you're going to slip into all kind of mess. Because the cross, again, we've preached about it many times. The cross is the doorway, is the path to your death. And the path to your life. Because you find Christ through the cross. That's where you find him, through the cross. Intimacy with God cannot be achieved without the cross. You cannot relate to God in the deepest of ways unless, again, you bear your own cross. You carry your own cross. So what does the world say? My God, you're going to die? You're going to just lay your life down? For what? What's the point? Everything is at stake here. He says, carry your own cross, or you cannot 
Be my disciple. And then he goes into verse 28 and 29, giving different illustrations about counting the cost. About going into something and understanding, listen, man, you may not have enough. You better make sure you have enough before you go into these things. And it's interesting that he prefaces it by talking about the cross. See, the cross is the very thing you need to finish it. The cross, you carrying your cross, is the very thing that you need to finish this race strong. You're considering everything else that you have to give up. But Jesus says, in all you're getting, get the cross. Make sure you're carrying your cross. Because this cross is going to put you in a position to be able to count the cost. Say, you know, it's worth it. You're going to say, it's worth it. No matter what I'm facing, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because in this carrying of the cross, I get to relate and know him. And this is Paul's cry in Philippians 3. He says, listen, man, everything that I have achieved, everything that I have is considered dung. It's, it's, it's not even close to comparison to knowing Christ. So I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to die, deny myself, because that is the only way I can know him. That's the only way. So verse 32 comes up again. Verse 33 says, So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Now he starts with relationships, wives, mother, children. He puts the cross right in the middle. And then he ends with possessions. My God, how subtle it is for us to hold on to things that really don't matter much. One of the great things about the early church was that they sold everything they had. I mean, it wasn't like a commandment that we read in Acts 2. Like, everyone was commanded to give away everything. There was a response to the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. Like, man, everything that I have now is just, it belongs to the body. And this isn't about me anymore because these possessions are not how the, they do not determine who, that my identity. They don't determine anything about me. So I'm going to give everything away. So you're carrying the cross, you're putting these relationships in the right place, and you're willing to give up everything. Why is this so critical? Verse 34. Therefore, salt is good, but even salt, if, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the result of those who are not willing to become disciples. We are saturated and flooded with a society of Christians who have lost their flavor. And they wonder why the world ridicules and mocks the name of Jesus. Because the flavor, I mean, salt in itself. You know, sometimes you put salt on a wound. I remember one time, um, back when I was 16, my dog, my, my dog bit my face. I had 15 stitches on my lips. And the first thing they had to do was they had to pour salt on my lips. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so they brought, and I'm like, oh, and I'm manifesting, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> But I knew that the salt was necessary for me to avoid infection. So I just took it. You know, 
So what are the qualities of this discipleship as we're giving up our lives to Christ? As we come with a certain sting into people's lives. There's a certain, and sometimes when we get rejected or persecuted about it, we just say, man, I'm, I don't want to deal with this. We lose, we, we lose focus on why you're, you're salt. You're becoming salt. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And if it loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. How will it be seasoned again? And this is what's happening. Demonic strategy is to get you to abandon your cross, love other things in this life more than God, and then you claim that you're okay. This is why many people feel useless in the body. They don't feel like they can be used. They have this overwhelming sense like, man, what's going on in my life? It's because you're tasteless. It's because your unwillingness to truly become a disciple and your willingness to say, man, I'm just fine with being a believer. It's enough. It isn't enough. It isn't enough. We're going to be going into communities who need salt. They need, I mean, what is salt good for? Preservation? If, I mean, obviously, it flavors things. I remember the first time I went to a restaurant with Jeff. And I remember him seasoning his fries. You would, you would have thought those fries were cardboard. Because this man was... And I was like, I was like, oh my God, Jeff. And he just pouring the salt out. I go, wow. And my heart raced. I was like, for him. I was like, oh my God. But the reality is, for us, we have to determine in our hearts... Are we going to be content with being a believer? Is that what Christ died for? Are we truly going to become disciples in these neighborhoods? So that when people encounter us, there is a flavor, a a, a conviction. There, There is a sense of healing because salt heals too. It heals. But the enemies say, no, they cannot be salt. I need to put them in a position where they're tasteless. So I'm going to do everything that I can, everything that I can, to help them love something else. Help them abandon the cross and love their possessions. Those are the three things we need to guard our hearts against more than anything in this life. Possessions, people, and the abandonment of the cross. You cannot be a disciple. It's very clear. He's not missing words. You cannot be. I don't care if you do uh, lay hands on the sick and they will recover, all this stuff. He says, those workers of inequity, I never knew them. Those who are going to say in the last day, I, I did this, I did this, I did this. He says, I never knew you. I never knew you because, again, without the cross, and it's funny how he puts it right in the center, without the cross, you cannot know Jesus Christ. You cannot know Jesus without you bearing your cross. And the more you're convinced that you don't need it, the more you're going to be living a lie that you know God. Because you can't know him without the cross. You cannot know him without experiencing fellowship of his sufferings. There's a connection that you experience for God when you suffer for his namesake. There's something about your willingness to say, man, I don't care what happens. I don't care who rejects me. I don't care what they call me. I'm not going to shrink back. The world is going to hate me just like it hated him. Why should I shrink back? In Mark chapter 10, 
I love Peter. Peter is like, <laughs> Jesus is dealing with the rich young ruler. Look what he says in verse 28. And this is after Peter is, they're, they're pretty blown away when Jesus is mentioning that it's so hard for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. So they said to him, who then can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, not in heaven, in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. It's interesting that there's a promise to those who are abandoning this life for God. And sometimes we think it's just heaven. Like, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. And, uh, but he's talking about now. He's talking about you're going to multiply here in this life. You're going to leave a generation that you were marked by. You're going to receive these things into your life in the present age. So Peter's like, man, what about us? We left everything, but listen, bro, I got you covered. You're going to receive a hundred times more, Peter. <laughs> man, that's not, that's, that's not even... It's amazing the, the, the unequal exchange. He says, give, give me your life, and I'll give you a hundred times more. So it's so uneven. Since it's hard to believe that God could be so good. So we got to be really mindful, guys, as we step into these house churches, what the real goal is. We, we want to bring a community together, yes. We, but again... Jesus, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. You need to be a disciple to make one. You can't make a disciple unless you're one. And that being said, are you going to ask the Holy Spirit to examine the relationships that you have in your life? Are there people in your life that are trumping the affections you should have for Christ? Are you basically turning your back on denying yourself. I don't want to deny myself. I'm tired of denying myself. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to give you the strength to deny yourself. Because the possessions and the people in this life, if you're not careful, they're going to consume your life. And when Jesus, remember what Jesus says about Lot's wife? He says, remember Lot's wife. Just a really quick verse in the Bible. It says, remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? Her affections were in this life. She's, she's got the commandment from the angels. She's running, but something in her heart says, man, I have to look back. My heart is there in Sodom. And it's interesting that God would judge her by turning her into salt. It's interesting. It's almost God is being ironic. The, the, you should have been a salt. <laughs> you should have been salt in Sodom. But you weren't. But I'm going to make you salt right now. She's running away. And then she's like, man, but her heart's there. She's like, man. And blah, she turns into a pillar of salt. 
Don't be fooled. You can't, you may fool us. You may fool your friends as far as your affections are concerned. You may say, man, Jesus is Lord, blah, blah, blah. But God knows who really is Lord. He knows who's discipling you. He knows who's your real master. And this is why many times he's exposing and convicting and bringing up situations because you need to see there's an idol that you're holding on to. There's something you have not given away. He wants you to be a disciple. He wants you to be with him. You're not losing anything. If anything, you're gaining him. Like Paul says, that I may gain Christ. This is the goal. I want to gain him. I want to know him. So everything else doesn't matter to me. Everything else is done. I love that about Paul. He wasn't perfect, but he understood. The Bible says, he who is spiritual judges all things. The word judge means to appraise. You are determining the value of something. You say, man, if someone comes to your house, you own a house, because I, I want an appraiser here to, to determine the value of my house. He's going to check out your house. Like, man, your house is worth $300,000. I'm appraising your house. And for us, our duty is to appraise the value of knowing Christ. Is it worth it? Is it worth your life? Is it worth your possessions? Is it worth you carrying a cross for the rest of your life? Because that's the only way you're going to know him. I know this is our first night here. But this is the word the Lord placed in my heart. I want to see all of you become disciples. Some of you are further along than others. But make no mistake, Jesus is concerned. I mentioned the billion people. Do you think there are a billion disciples on this planet? This whole world would be one. This world would be one if there were a billion disciples on this planet. There's no doubt in my mind. There would not be this anarchy and this mess all over the streets if there were a billion devoted disciples to Christ. So you know that number is a lot fewer than that. And there are many of us who are tasteless. And we have no flavor because we refuse to meet the requirements. We refuse to say, man, these are the requirements. It's his discipleship program, not mine. (laughs) We didn't make up discipleship. It's like we determine the rules like, okay, I'm going to be a disciple, but here are my terms, Jesus. He determines the parameters. He's the master. He said, listen, this is what you have to do to become my disciple. No regrets. You won't have any regrets. So I just want to just take a time just to open up just a time to pray for anyone who, um, I, I, I try not to be long because I want us to pray. I want us to pray that we enter into the season with the right fr- framework of mind, with the right heart. That God, make, I want to be a disciple. That's, that's what you died for. You died for sons, but you know what? A son is a disciple. A son is a disciple. A son, like Jesus did at 12 years old, I must be about my father's business. He's following his father's business. At 12, he's making this confession. So for us, we have to understand, man, 
Believing is great. Hallelujah. I know I'm sure people have been touched by God. Whoo, hallelujah. You've seen manifestations. You've seen great things. But man, in all you're getting, get your cross. You want another revelation? Okay. Get your cross. Get a revelation of the cross. Look at the, the book of Acts. Those people were carrying the cross. Look at Stephen, the first martyr. He's carrying his cross. He's forgiving people while they're stoning him. He's carrying his cross. That's the mark. That's what this generation and society needs. It doesn't need us being able to quote scriptures and, yeah, you know, that's cool. But at the end, it is your heart that's the issue. Are you salt? Are you bringing conviction? When you step into a room, is, is is the presence of God stepping into the room with you? That people are like, man, there's something going on. I sense this uh, irritation. I'm being bothered by this person. I don't know why, but it's bothering me. I have no clue why. But this salt is just driving me crazy. And then some people are going to get healed. But again, no matter what, we don't care about the results of the salt. We just want to be salt. Let the results, let God take care of the results. And rejoice in the fact that you are making a difference. Because that's the only way you make a difference. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. As we step into this new season, God, I pray that we will not take any shortcuts. That we will not define our time together just in a wishy-washy way. You say in the book of Revelation, I'd rather you be cold or hot, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. You warn us in Scripture. This is a warning to us in Scripture. It says, therefore, he makes a conclusion. You make a conclusion. Therefore, salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, it's, it's good for nothing. And God, we need you in so many ways to just season us again. We need to determine in our hearts to become disciples. According to your terms, God. We don't want to imagine that, God, or even pretend that we're we're something that we're not. God, if we've abandoned the cross and we say, I don't want to pick up this cross, God, forgive us even now. Forgive us even now, Lord, for ignoring the most beautiful thing you've ever given us. Besides yourself, it's the cross. And God, I pray for those even now who are just sensing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank God, they would not shrink back. They would embrace and pick up their cross daily and enjoy the, the resurrection life that comes with the God. As they are abandoning themselves, as they lose the love for their own lives, God, may they find you, Jesus. I want to open up the, the, the front right now for anyone who wants prayer. If the Holy Spirit was speaking to you today about this, if you want to step into a new season of just, just reevaluating and redefining discipleship in your own life, I want you to step forward because the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your heart. He wants to do something in you. Again, intimacy without the cross is impossible. It is impossible for you to have intimacy 
with God without the cross. So I beg you today, I beg you tonight, that if you've been ignoring the cross, if you've been living and the center of the universe has been yourself, if you've been the focus, I say repent, repent, even now. 